Welcome to Your Business Greatness. I am your host, Simone Sloan, the Executive Strategist. And really, our mission here is to educate business owners, professionals, the community at large. Our next guest is Michael Sherlock, Chief Potential Officer of Shock Your Potential. It's a Philadelphia-based training organization that provides corporations, business leaders, really actionable strategies, presentations on leadership, employment development, customer experience, and sales transformation. In addition to this wonderful things that she's doing with corporations, she also cooks and gardens, travels, and loves cultures. Please, let's welcome Michael. Oh, thank you very much. Great to have you here. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's very interesting that you talk about shock your potential. And I'm always curious in terms of what does that really mean? Because when I see you, and we've had several (laughs) conversations, right? (laughs) And there have been lots of... You know I'm a little shocking. (laughs) (laughs) And it's fun. And when you dig deeper into your, your, your social, digital media, and all those different things, too, it's just more fun things that just keeps bubbling up. So tell us about Shock Your Potential. Yes, thank you. It's so funny how it came about. When I was working with a web designer, when I first you know, kind of left the corporate world, ready to launch my second book, and deciding, you know, what did this business look like? And as I was talking, you know, the web designer was asking me, you know, like, what do you stand for? What are you known for? And I said, well, you know, I'm kind of shocking because I have very colorful hair. I'm a little uh, non-traditional in how I deliver messages. And I said, sometimes that's shocking. But really, I love to do that to also shock people and make them stop and think about what I'm saying. And I really um, am passionate about helping people achieve their full potential. So they came back and said, what do you think about shock your potential? And I went, that's brilliant. (laughs) And for me, it's really about the sense that, you know, we all have dreams. We all know we have potential, but how many of us actually take all the steps to get there? Mm. Sometimes you need someone to literally kick you in the tuchus and make you see what you can do and Mm -hmm. give you that little extra push that you need to remember that, that there is greatness out there. It's just not going to fall into your lap by accident. Absolutely. And being intentional too, because sometimes you yes. can be, but somehow either one, get into your way, two, life happens and you kind of get distracted. And so I think having that sound partner to kind of help you pull you through or not even pull you, but really just kind of help gav- navigate and guide it. That's what I'm hearing too. Yeah. And, you know, I love to do that, especially with businesses where I go in and I'm, you know, asked to come in often and work with an entire leadership team, for instance. And many times that call comes because there's inconsistency in the leadership uh, personalities. There's inconsistency in results. You know, there's a lack of people on the bench being, you know, groomed to, uh, to be the next level of leaders. And as I walk into those situations, what I find is that you usually have a room full of people that are a little afraid. Things are changing or they don't know where they fit. They don't know if their career is going to stay with this organization. And I'm often called in during massive transformation. And during that time, I get an opportunity to see people when they are so vulnerable, but they're really trying to hide it. Mm. And so they're trying to put on these personas and that's what really keeps people from being an authentic leader. 
or an authentic salesperson or really have an authentic relationship with a customer. It's when they feel threatened and the only way to react is to start to pull within themselves. And right. so I push them and I and I push their comfort zones and I ask uncomfortable questions and I make jokes and I tell stories about how I screwed it up myself. And by that time, I can break down some walls. And that's when we really get into some really incredible transformation. Because I think and that's, I think that's phenomenal because I think what happens too, people have so many stories going through their heads of what the expectations are, who am I, where do I fit, all these different things that are muddling through and they're not even focused on really what they should be focused on. And that time and that energy gets wasted. And so I yeah. love when you said, when you talk about yourself and show how you humanize elements that people can grab yes. and grab onto, right? And to kind of say, oh, okay, I'm not alone. There are others yeah, like I me. usually tell a lot of embarrassing stories about myself <laughs> <laughs> because, because nobody expects it. They expect, you know, I mean, they're always thrown off by the hair. I'm currently like some sort of kind of cotton candy pink. Um, it might be blue. It might be green. It might be a rainbow. You never know. So they're always a little thrown off by that. But once I get started talking, most of the time they forget that. And they realize that I've done a lot of things. I've held some pretty uh, lofty, high responsibility positions. And so as they listen, you know, you can see them kind of having this guard, like, is this going to be, am I back in school? And, you know, what am I going to supposed to take out of this? And when, when I've got them right in that moment where I'm talking about serious stuff and I, then I'll tell them, you know what, you know how I really did this well. And they're, you know, leaning in, I'll go, because I really screwed it up. <laughs> and let me tell you how I screwed it up. And I'll give those examples. And it, you know, it's kind of this, it is shocking. I, I like to take people through a little bit of an emotional roller coaster because then they're a little off, but pretty soon their guards come down. You know, you can get them to laugh. You can get them to look around and I'll say things like, no one in this room has ever been afraid for their job. And everybody like the <laughs> nervous little twitters and around the room. And no one in this room has ever screwed something up or never. You've always, always made budget. No one's ever had a bad hire and fire. And as I, you know, pull that through, I go, okay, now understand that is part of business. We are human beings dealing with human beings. Something's got to give. The only key is whether or not we can work with our authentic self, mm -hmm. understand who we are as leaders and professionals, and not just for leaders, but for a professional to understand what is important to you and how do you make that come alive in the job that you Absolutely. do. Absolutely. No, thanks for saying that. Absolutely. Because I think we lose mm -hmm. sight of that human element piece. You shared yes. with us what you do, but now share with us, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Hmm. <laughs> Such an enigma. I started out as a Catholic school teacher long, long ago. Mm. And my first year teaching, they're like, you can't hit the kids with rulers. And I thought, what did I become a teacher for? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No abuse there. <laughs> it was so shocking. But I found out something. And don't tell my mother if she was right about this, because then I'll really be in trouble. But I found out that teachers don't make any money. Mm. And somehow I had dreams of actually, you know, like owning a home and having a different life, but actually things changed on me anyway. So after my first year teaching, I'd only had a uh, grant funded one year position anyway. And the next year, all the teachers, teachers were being let go left and right in my city because there were not enough incoming students. So unless you had significant tenure, you were out and there were not a, no positions to be found. And it forced me to go into the business world. 
And I never realized that I had skills in that area. And so what happened with me through my career is that I just was thrown into a position where next thing you know, I'm hiring somebody and I'm managing employees. And I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was lucky I had some base leadership skills in me and that I was a really good communicator, but I knew I needed to be better. So I became a sponge. You know, I'm so old that, you know, we went to Fred Pryor seminars for $99 a piece and you sat in there or you bought the tapes and you listened to the cassette tapes until you wore them out, you know, and you share them around with people. And I just was a sponge with everything. I read every book. I mean, I remember when I read Who'd Moved My Cheese, I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest book ever written. (laughs) (laughs) But what it taught me was that I was never satisfied with where I was. Mm. I always wanted to know Mm. more. I wanted to learn more. And for me, that's been the greatest thing about my professional career and working with other people is that I'm always challenging them saying, if you are not constantly looking for the next thing to read, the next podcast to listen to, the next course to take, you're giving up on yourself and you're giving up on your team if you're a leader because nobody's made it. You know, nobody is like the brilliant, most brilliant person. Everybody is in an evolution. And even the most brilliant business people today, the best leaders today, weren't always those people in the beginning. So for me, that's what drives me. And it's funny because I know you do a lot of coaching. And I've always said, I'm not a coach, but people call me all the time. I end up coaching them for free. And I'm like, what are you doing? You got to stop doing this. And one day my husband goes, you know, I love it how you say you're not a coach. It's all you do. He goes, you're teaching them how to do it. You're in there motivating them. You're kicking them in the pants. You're giving them the let's go speech. You're, you're helping them when they're hurt. And I went, you know what? Everything I do is coaching. It's just a little different. And there's something really satisfying. Don't ask me why I was fighting the term. uh, (laughs) There you go. I'm a coach. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny though. You say that, you know, going from education to business and fundamentally I'm looking at it. Well, you had to lead a team. You had to Mm -hmm. communicate effectively or the children aren't aren't listening to you. Oh no. And your groups don't change. (laughs) Really and truly. (laughs) If you think about it. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my main um, group was, well, I taught uh, seventh grade English lit and then they're like, well, but we need you to do something else. Cause that's only one period of day. How about you teach computers? And I'm like, mm. sure, sure. I had no idea. I had no computer. Luckily they were Apple IIe's. All you did is put in a floppy drive, a literal <laughs> floppy drive. It was great. But you Love know, trying it. to keep eighth graders entertained in a computer class or first graders understand how to turn it on. Well, first of all, they knew more than I did. Anyway, I learned from them. But yeah, I mean, all those things, when I look back, I realize they are all different forms of leadership. And I think that's what excites me is that no matter what your title is, Mm -hmm. or maybe what your whole function is, even if, um, so I've got a a great person, she's a, she's in kind of mental health, she's a counselor type of thing. And I'm like, you are a leader, you are leading your clients, you are a leader with your colleagues, you are a leader in your community, understand and embrace that because once you do you will go farther Absolutely. and you'll also weather some of the storms better. Well, because people think leadership has a title, there's right. no title here, right? Even if you're in a mom with your, with your family, you are leading oh. them in some shape, form or fashion and oh, don't yes. lose sight of that influence, right? Because that's what you're doing. You're influencing behaviors in some shape. Absolutely. 
And I always say too, you know, when people, uh, sales is my passion. I'm just incredibly passionate about great sales and great customer experiences. And people, I love it when people say, I'm not a salesperson. And I love it when I can say, to your point, you know, are you a parent? And they'll, you know, many, if I know they're a parent. And yeah, have you ever had to give your child medicine when they were sick and they didn't want to take it and you had to convince them to it? You are a salesperson. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Sales is helping somebody get what they need and truly want, but maybe um, have more questions or maybe are uncertain. And so the job of a salesperson is to build the bridge when it's time for the bridge to be built. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And so then tell me then, along your journey of getting to shock your potential, what are some of the challenges that you experienced along the way? Because you mentioned corporate from education to corporate to entrepreneurship? Oh boy, so many. I think, first of all, Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. So I, I, like many people, call myself a serial entrepreneur because I screwed up so many times. (laughs) And I still screw up. I still screw up seven times before breakfast. But I started my first company, actually, as a training company Mm -hmm. to teach things like leadership and sales when I was in my late 20s. And I wanted to do that so badly. And if I would have known about different resources, like the National Speakers Association, Mm -hmm. things like that, that I could have actually taken, uh, benefited from in my business or my work career while trying to build the business, I probably would have been doing this much sooner. But I was in a small, I was a small fish in a small pond or maybe a big fish in a small pond, but it Mm -hmm. was still too, I didn't have a big enough vision and so I, one of the things that I've learned over time is that I have to dream big, but I have to think bigger. And what I mean by that is that in my view is that I didn't think beyond my little town of Spokane, Washington at that mm-hmm. point in time. I didn't think about what could it mean to be on a stage in Australia. I didn't think about being on a stage in Copenhagen. You know, so things that I have had happen, I could not even fathom at that point in time. And so one of the things that I've learned through all my careers, so in the corporate world and the different iterations of businesses that I've owned Mm -hmm. and run, is that I'm my own worst enemy. Mm, Aren't we all? And so, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So if I don't reach out and work with other people or work with a coach or talk frequently with my business partner, then I can stay very small. Even though it might be bigger than a lot of other people's dreams, it's still too small. And every time I do that, I'm angry at myself. And I do it a couple times a year where Mm. I start getting so laser-like focused on everything I'm doing that I start to get small again in my head. And I have to take action. And actually tomorrow, literally, we are leaving on kind of a road trip, Mm -hmm. which is a time for me to open up again. It's time for me to let some things go and find that openness again. Nice, nice. I think a lot of business owners, we get stuck in thinking going small and I'm not really thinking big. And I find a lot of women business owners, we get in that trap also, yeah. right? And just in terms okay. of how do we really think bigger so we can, you know, whatever that bigger is for, for your business or, or for yourself. Right. Absolutely. So then when you, the challenges then around that, how did you overcome some of that? What were some of the things that, um, what tools or tricks and of the trade that you want to share with us that you kind of used to get out. One of the things I know you mentioned that you travel, so you get some free yeah. space. Yeah. And, and it's really important because the last six weeks I've been busy taping episodes, for instance, for my podcast to get us all the way through mid January. Mm. And uh, so it's really important. I've, I've learned to batch and I batch, I was batching an awful lot right now, but after this, I will batch 
for instance, the podcast for one week a month. And it'll be for episodes two months later. So batching is really important. When I was younger, I used to think I was a really great multitasker. Mm. Now I understand I suck at it. (laughs) I suck at multitasking. All it does is have me going like, bing, 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 you know, like uh, a dog seeing a squirrel. Right. And uh, so by batching, I keep myself more focused. So that's one thing. Second thing is I have to literally plan time for really, really important things like writing or doing the finances for the business. Um, Having business meetings with my partner who happens to be my husband. That's probably one of the smartest, most terrifying, and the most horrifying thing that I've decided to do was make my husband my business partner. Mm. It's important. It is hard. There are times when it's really, really uncomfortable. And actually now we're taking new steps. So for instance, dealing with the finances of the business, Mm because I made him CFO so he can deals with, deal with the numbers, but we were meeting quarterly. And then I'm like, well, maybe we should meet monthly. And then now we're actually going to start meeting weekly. Wow. And the reason being is that then you're never building up anxiety over the next question or the next, hey, here's the next thing we have to do. Here's the price tag for it. This is how I want to arrange it. And so once we practice more speaking more frequently, the better that we grow together. And those are hard things. They're Mm -hmm. really, really hard things, but they are some of the things that I know are making the difference in this business, especially during and, and hopefully soon post COVID. Absolutely. What were some, any aha moments or anything that you learned? Cause you talked about batching, you talked about communication, which is huge, but what were any aha moments for you during your journey? Yeah. I hate money. <laughs> Making it or losing it? <laughs> yeah, I I actually love having money. I love making money. I actually once upon a time somebody told me that my hobby was making money, which is great. Mm-hmm. Talking about money, managing money, dealing with money, understanding the uh, algorithms of things and the how to work a spreadsheet. Those things just do not interest me. Mm. And I found so, and I love to say this story because, you know, I was a VP of sales for Mm -hmm. two different global medical device companies. I was responsible for people, about 500 people. At one point I had 32 direct reports and I was responsible for roughly a hundred million in revenue and about 60 million in operating expenses. So lots of numbers, right? Absolutely. And in a company that large managing 300 locations, 500 people, there are a lot of uh, nuances to the finances. And I had never dealt with anything that large. The largest, so I went from probably the largest amount that I managed was about 17 million to 70 billion. Mm. So that jump between 17 million and 70 million is massive. The highest number of people that I had led was about 55 to 500, Mm. massive. And so I'm really, really good at leading teams. I'm really good at motivating sales teams. I hit numbers like you can't believe, but my colleagues were really good at manipulating the numbers. And I don't mean manipulating in a bad way. I mean, they could read the Mm P&L and they could understand Mm -hmm. trends and strategies Mm -hmm. that I didn't. Mm -hmm. All I knew is I could motivate my team and I hit budget. So I I got the number, right? But my three colleagues, my peers knew the numbers better. And that was a detriment to me. And I remember talking to my husband about it and I'm like, can you teach me? And he's laughing. He's like, "Uh, no, you're not going to learn. And because, because I didn't want to learn, Mm. you know, I didn't want my head filled with numbers. 
which is something I've, there's an aha moment in that too. Yes. But what he did suggest to me is he said, go find yourself an ally. And I went to our finance department and I found an ally and I said, I'm the only one that looks like an idiot in the meeting. And he goes, yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I love those crazy conversations. (laughs) And I said, I said, but I'm the only one hitting my numbers. And he said, yes, you are. Mm. And I said, so will you help me to be able to talk about the numbers better so that I can keep focusing on what I'm doing? And that started a beautiful Mm. partnership and relationship that really helped me. And I didn't try and pretend that I knew the numbers. I went and said, Nate gave me the lowdown. This is what I know. Nate told me this. Nate told me this. I always gave him credit because there was no reason for me to try to try, try and make it up. But I wanted to make sure that people knew I now knew what I was talking about because he gave me a prep. But that what that gives me now is that in this business, I still have that hesitancy to do the numbers and plot, do the QuickBooks mm-hmm. and all that. And so the last couple of years, we've really transitioned from my husband taking that over, which was emotionally hard. Right. I didn't want him to tell me that I couldn't buy a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> but without a partner to really talk about those financial things, Mm -hmm. then I would still be in the same boat in my business today. I love it because what you said, you know what you love doing and what the pain point was about the business that you don't like doing. But you were were honest with yourself to say and vulnerable to share with someone, hey, I don't know this. Are you willing to help me? And that person could have said, showed up any old way they wanted to show up, right? But they were more willing to help. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was thankful too, because he knew that I was promoting him. Mm. You know, I was making sure people knew that Nate knew the numbers well. And you know, those other guys, they were just working the numbers. They didn't go ask anybody for help. So who also looked like the hero to everybody else in finance when they came by, they knew that I was the VP that actually cared about what they were doing Mm. and that I was thankful and I'd bring them donuts, whatever it took. Feed them. That's always a good thing. (laughs) It was so important for that relationship. And so now, you know, trying that with the spouse too. Um, (laughs) That's a whole other different relationship, right? So in terms of separations and. Yeah. But it, it is hard. It's uncomfortable, but I'm getting better at it. Good. I can't say I'm perfect at all, but I am getting better. Good. I don't cry myself to sleep and suck my thumb in the corner any longer. <laughs> I might have for the first six months. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? You can come down here right now and, and say, that is true. <laughs> I love it. I'm just picturing that image. In my That's awesome. And I think a lot of for women to to really understand the partnership piece in business and the importance of really understanding what you're good at, what you love, and what you you want can delegate off to, right? And find a collaborator partner, someone that who will be willing to step up in that same vein with you because it's not easy to to let go and say, I'm giving you a piece of my baby. And now you're going to have absolutely. Yeah, it feels really, it, it takes a lot of trust. It's really vulnerable. And we actually had a lot of talks about this because I said, I can't imagine hiring somebody else from the outside to do this. Mm. I mean, that's a lot of trust. And we were laughing and I hope she's not listening, but if she is, she'll get a kick out of this. We have a really good friend who's like a, a financial auditor. Mm-hmm. So she's always looking for, you know, she's working, you know, with a big consulting company. Right. And, and, I, and we always say that I wouldn't want her to be my bookkeeper, 
But if I ever had a problem, I would want her to find it and fix it because she would. But I'll tell you what, she would be on me. She would say, I don't think that $4.97 is an okay price to pay at Starbucks. You need to go to decaf. I wanted to see the drip coffee, no added milk. You know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'd be going, okay, I promise no more coffee. Folders for me. That's right. That's right. This is lovely because I think in terms of just who you are, what you're doing, what you're creating, all the good work that you're putting out there, are there any words of wisdom that you'd want to leave for the women business owners, people entering, especially trying to do business during COVID or starting a business in COVID? What would you say? The one thing that I have been thinking about so often lately is how, especially as women, We try to make sure everything looks perfect. We want people to think we've got it all and it's all going great. And we, it's a different version of the Instagram world, you know, or the Pinterest cakes for your kid's birthday. If you are a female business owner, you want the world to think you are humming on all cylinders and you got money coming in. Like there's nobody's tomorrow. And the last couple of weeks, I've been interviewing all these people for my podcast that are doing all these incredible things. And they're, you know, well, in the first year that we crossed 3 million and I'm like, what? (laughs) I want to cross 1 million. Can we get there? That'd be lovely. And I had this real, I had a pity party Mm. for myself because I thought, wow, what's going on? And why am I not there yet? And what's, what are all these emotions and why are they coming up right now? And number one, I was exhausted. Uh, Number two, I was interviewing some really, really high caliber, high income people. But what I realized is I was working too hard to try and keep everything rosy. And through COVID, this has not been rosy at all for my business. This was a great year planned ahead. This is my fourth year in business, which is the year that if you've done most things right, you actually start to break even. So I think that a lot of people don't realize that when you begin your own business, there is at least three to four years before you even break even. And that doesn't mean paying yourself back for what you invested in the last three years. So there's a huge financial investment. And so when all that happened, 95% of my business income was from me getting on an airplane and going Mm. somewhere in the world to speak and train. And it overnight gone, just gone. So we have been playing catch up. So with all those things and me still trying to make it look good and all the, I mean, we've had a lot of things going right, Mm -hmm. but not in the financial realm. Mm. So we have done things that I'm really proud of that are going to pay off in the long term, but in the short term, it still hasn't paid off. And I realized at that moment that I was starting to slip back into that, have the happy face. Mm -hmm. And so, you know what I did about it? I went on and did my live broadcast last Friday and I titled it help. I'm jealous of other people's success. And I talked about it and I just put it all out there just Mm -hmm. like I am with Mm -hmm. you right now. And of course for Right away, my my book publisher said, you're using the wrong word. It's not jealousy. You're envious. So, <laughs> right, right, I can't even have this emotion. <laughs> but what, what shocked me was the number of people who responded to this post. But here's the thing. Virtually none of them responded in the post. Mm. They sent me a text. They sent me an email. They sent me a voice message. And the number of people who said, that's exactly how I feel. I'm going through that right now. Thank you for sharing the percentage of people that contacted me directly versus wrote on the post, whether it was on YouTube or the Facebook page or or LinkedIn, 
was about 5%. Mm. So only 5% of the people that responded to me actually put their writing in the world. And that's, I think, what's most important is we need to remember that you don't have to look perfect. No. Now there's times that you don't want to look, <laughs> you don't want to be showing up with curlers in your hair and, you know, <laughs> no, pajamas you on, but you don't have to tell everything. And it comes down to this. My husband's favorite saying that I say now all the time is honesty is the only policy. Openness is not the only strategy. Right. Right. But you have to be honest with yourself because if you're not honest with yourself, you're going to eat yourself alive. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Be honest, be vulnerable, be careful. Yes. But be true yes. to you. Yes. And be authentic. Authentic. Yeah. Pink hair or not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's been a pleasure. And I thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story, your journey, the triumphs, all those things in between. Because people look at the end result and they say, oh, they don't ever see all the hard work that goes behind it. And I think it's always Absolutely. important to lay that foundation, let people see and get a little sneak peek, if you will in terms of all the effort, sweat, tears that came into where you are and what you're continuously building. So thank you so much. And remember, there's nothing, there's really truly no overnight success and there is no self-made millionaire. <laughs> Anyone who just became famous overnight is different. They weren't an overnight success. They put in all the work before and the self-made millionaire did not do it by themselves. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on Your Business Greatness. I am your host, Simone Sloan, and love to see you next time.